0: Warning. The following podcast may contain material that is inappropriate for listeners that are under the age of 18, are easily offended, or get annoyed listening to the rantings of holier than thou know it alls that are anything but.
1: Hey, this is Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman, and you're listening to Anime World Order. <laughs>
0: All right, officially, I think we're back on the horse because this is recorded merely days after finishing show number 56. I don't remember where we are now. (laughs) What's happening? This is show 57. Yes, after having done 56 mere hours ago. And by hours, I mean a couple days. Maybe we will get back in the swing of things after this month of hiatus and sporadic things. However, I won't bet on it because we're recording this shortly before AFO which is soon, and I haven't done any work on my panels. Introductions are in order for anyone who decided to skip the other 56 episodes and (laughs) just start straight with number 57. (laughs) I am trusted Otaku USA journalist,
1: Daryl Surratt. (laughs) I am uh, Gerald Rathkolb back from Otakon, with the con flu to prove it.
2: That's so hard, what you get for being the only one who gets to go to Otakon.
1: I try so hard to avoid the con flu, and then my goddamn roommate has it. Who was your you roommate's name? You
2: can't avoid the con flu. Uh, we well, want
1: names. Well, it's impossible to avoid. I don't remember the guy's name. You had a roommate and you don't know his name? We had roommates who never even spoke to us. So, yes.
2: I don't know, that sounds like the kind of roommates I'd rather have.
1: Given one extreme or the compared other, to I'd, some. Rather, I'd rather have that. But it is kind yeah. of weird that I was in the room with these two people who never said a word to me, never introduced themselves to me, and were never there.
2: Yeah, it is a little awkward.
1: But yeah, given one extreme or the other, I'd rather have that.
2: I am Clarissa. I don't know. This is going to be weird. I've had a interesting week so far, so I may not be capable of very much speech. You have to
0: be strong for the people, Clarissa. Because, I do.
2: Because
0: this week, we tried to build up to it, because last week, we had some bad things. You had birth and then Gerald had magazine 2 through the 3rd, and that was really just preparation for this week, because this week... Clarice can is, it get know-
2: worse than this week?
0: Yeah. Yeah, it could.
2: Really? Uh, yeah. yeah. So. Actually, yeah. Should we do that next week, or should we stop here?
1: <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't I mean, know,
2: I think maybe we should stop here, I don't know if the audience can take it.
1: Uh, we should probably review something good next
0: week. I think I should be giving Neil Nadelman a call and... <laughs> Anyway, as far as what's going on this week, by popular demand and by specific request, I am going to be reviewing one third of what I refer to as the manga video Holy Trinity of Suck, a series of fine anime released by manga video in the 90s, all of which are incredibly terrible and incredibly hilarious to watch. It is a six part OAV that has been described by many as a postmodern masterpiece. Actually, it was probably just Zero <laughs> Chan who said that, but. It's Angel Cop time. Isn't it also oh. social commentary? There's lots of social commentary in Angel Cop. It's astounding. Yes. Yeah, not... w- no, no, we gotta talk all about it.
1: All in you new know, time.
2: The early 90s was a special time for anime.
1: Even more so because the show that I'm talking about was made then as well. This is a show that nobody requested because it is that bad.
2: I thought yours was from the 80s.
1: Nope. Oh, wait. I think it is from the 80s. Mine might actually be. See. I need to make a note that because I've got the con flu, I'm not thinking quite right.
2: It wants me from the 80s, because Area 88 was defending it right, quite yeah. strongly. Along and he only likes shows from the 80s. Uh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> but I'm kind of lethargic, so I don't know what I'm saying right now. But yes, I came from 1986. It is something that CPM got free.
2: Yeah, this is going to be a good podcast episode. I can sense it already.
1: Quiet, I'm, I'm introducing the show. I'm doing the 45-minute one-shot OAV, The Humanoid. Something that should send shivers down the back of anyone who's been watching anime for 15 years or more.
2: Yes.
0: That's just the Starbucks talking.
2: And I had to contribute something to prove that not all egregiously, mind-meltingly terrible shows come from the 80s. No, they They still make them. Some come from the
1: 90s. <laughs> Yeah, we, we yes.
2: represent
0: all
1: three decades here, so... Yeah. All three. There's only all three decades <laughs> of anime. Yeah, that's all. You could
0: teach oh, a God. community college course on anime, and
2: Nadelbin's then... gonna come murder us.
1: Well, thanks. I'm in my weakened state. I'm...
2: <laughs>
0: I haven't actually done the Florida Supercon report, so no one knows what I'm talking about.
2: Oh.
1: Okay, I should say we have three decades of anime represented here. Fine! Yes. Are you happy? God damn it, you fucking shitty people. Oh wait, the name of the show. Oh yeah, what was the show's name?
2: <laughs> I'm going to be reviewing a much more recent show from, what, a couple years ago? Like last year. Right? Yeah. full title is ridiculously long. I'll give it in the actual review. It's generally referred to as Zizen Jotaro.
0: And do you have a translation of what that name means for Tim Eldred?
2: Well, Zaisen Jotaro is just the dude's name.
0: So Tim Eldred <laughs> will have his answer if he just keeps listening. <laughs> For those of you who are not Tim Elgerd, you may not know this, but we do have contact information here at the Anime World Order podcast. Our email address is animeworldorder at gmail.com. You can go to our website, which is www.animeworldorder.com, and I would say it's a good place to get additional information about the shows but i haven't really been posting any worthwhile information as far as show notes goes (laughs) for the last several months so its utility is now basically a good place to find a full index of all our previous shows and also to comment on things and to watch really good movies yeah
1: or videos yes
0: our youtube channel by all means (laughs) let's see what else is on the sidebar that we never talk about oh hey the frapper map remember that no. We don't
1: care about that anymore.
2: Oh yeah, that thing that I stopped looking at when they kind of broke the interface and you can no longer properly filter yeah. any of it. Right. So it's just this It's just a large unintelligible red mass, mass of,
0: of flags of being... little
2: stickers, yeah.
0: Anyway, voicemail number is 206-666-4296. Emails, I guess we can go to a few of them. This one caught my eye because it's from Ken Aramdy. And the reason that caught my eye is because years and years ago, the very first con I went to, AWA4, back in 1998 or so, Ken was there, he lives out in Atlanta, and he was known on the internet as being the guy who wrote the alt.fan.sailormoon FAQ, (laughs) therefore making him an internet celebrity.
2: Oh, I thought you were going to say he wrote infamous Sailor Moon fan fiction.
0: Maybe he did. I mean, if you have to write the frequently asked (laughs) questions on Sailor Moon... Anything is possible.
1: I seem to remember those facts being incredibly long.
0: Yes, yes, they were. It's the Usenet for you.
2: Well, Sailor Moon is a deep and complicated show.
0: It so certainly is. So
2: it requires is. an extensive, frequently asked questions.
0: And since I believe this as well, I said, Hey, Ken Aramdy, you're famous, sign my program book. And he said, no.
2: Oh. And
0: I was like, come on, be, be cool. You don't want to be a pet." No. He totally denied my Aww. anime fan dreams, and now he writes into me with his miscellaneous AWO podcast comments. So it's all come full circle. I should just say, <laughs> I'm not gonna read it, but I'm better than that. Here's how the email starts with regards to the comments about Nadia being a vegetarian regarding our review of Nadia's Secret of Blue Water in the last episode. Anno himself is a vegetarian. This may explain Nadia's attitude on the subject. Also, Rei Ayanami is one. Which is odd when you think about it. For almost all of Ava, Ray shows no initiative at all, and it's not believable that she'd rebel by demanding special food. I guess that's true. I don't really read the Evangelion character bio sheets to know what their likes, dislikes, blood type are. (laughs) It's usually reserved for fighting game characters. Yeah, they
1: certainly didn't make a big deal of it in the show. It continues.
0: Also, I'd like your opinion on some things. First, a few months ago, I was arguing Gunslinger Girl on Usenet. Wow, people still use Usenet for discussion. Because he's a few months ago. I think it's a blatant appeal to Moe slash Lolicon fans by getting the viewer to sympathize with adult men who get little girls fixated on them, doing whatever they command. Worse yet, we're supposed to think the main character is a nicer child exploiter than the others, as if it makes any difference. Some people argue that the show isn't trying to glamorize that, and there's no Lolicon because the girls aren't sexualized. What do you guys think? Well, Ken, I think you're completely correct. (laughs) I think Gunslinger Girl is everything you said it's supposed to be, and that's really what Moe is more about. A lot of
1: it is... It's not sexualizing them.
0: Yeah, that's the point, is that they're not sexualizing it on the surface. It's all about getting them to think of you as their papa or their big brother. Really, that's where the terrifying nature of these people come from. Gunslinger Girl, as far as the whole Lolicon thing, totally, absolutely there. I think so, yeah. Who in their right mind can try and argue that that's not the case? I think they're just horribly, horribly deluded. There's one of these burning questions of the internet. At what point did the practice of viewing what effectively amounts to child pornography. You can argue about the legalities of Loli as much as you want on some other podcast because I'm not interested in debating it. But if you would do it, you would usually keep that sort of thing to yourself. But in recent years, you not only don't keep it to yourself, you wear it as a badge of honor and go around and proudly proclaim how great you are for doing it. I don't get it. I never will. But if you surround yourself with enough like-minded people who think similarly, then yes, maybe you will eventually start to think that, hey, Gunslinger Girl isn't supposed to be creepy at all. That's my only explanation, but that show is garbage, and should be watched I actually by kind of, of thought
2: that Gunslinger Girl was supposed to be creepy, but that that was the point. I mean, initially, anyway. I haven't watched the whole show, but... I kind of thought that the point was it was supposed to be somewhat disturbing that these young children were being turned into killing machines.
0: I think maybe if that was the point, it got lost along the way very much like Chobits. Yeah. And then it became, you know what, having a little girl who kills
1: for you is pretty cool.
2: Yeah, I thought it was kind of a, I don't know, Ender's Game sort of child soldiers. Yeah, I mean, I guess that the the hmm.
1: basic premise in terms of if you just boiled it down to its most basic elements isn't bad, but the execution of the show just right. is so creepy. I remember watching a bunch of it, and I mean, that is like one of the most expensive anime shows ever made.
2: Yeah, it was very well animated.
1: It had high production values, but yeah, it was just... Ridiculously yeah. Also, ridiculously maybe I was creepy. just distracted
2: by the ridiculous amount of gun porn to notice the loli as much.
1: Actually, I was watching the this gun show. I really thought it was, was, really thought it was way,
2: way more uh, for gun fetishists.
1: But the thing is, I was watching the show, and there was a guy next to me who was like a big gun guy. It was the very first episode, and he was laughing hysterically because in the first scene, one of the girls is blowing this room of guys apart, and there's these shells coming out of her gun. And this guy was laughing and going, oh, they got that completely wrong. The shells would not be flying out of that gun. So apparently, really,
2: I thought that that show was super detailed.
0: Maybe it's super detailed as far as they bought model kits and (laughs) maybe a non-functioning airsoft, and extrapolated the rest of the details based on
2: that.
1: Yeah, they might have just been super detailed in looks and such, but I guess in mm. functionality it might not be.
0: I am not willing to watch Gunslinger Girl to give it a second chance, but there is this growing movement in Moe that people try to present to me as if it's a counter-element to Moe, which is to say the Higarashi style. Like, oh, it seems like it's cute, but it's actually really sinister and lots of terrible things are being done. No, that's part of Moe as well. But a- you like Asamonga Dayo, so.
1: Daryl, don't yeah, you? Yeah, I do. Well, explain that, then. It's a well-written show. So you're saying that you know I mean you're you're bashing on Higurashi now.
0: Azumanga Dayo is not about people killing each other now, is it?
1: No, but I'm I'm not that's not my point. My point is that you're bashing on Higurashi and you haven't watched it, so of do you course. know if it's a well written
0: show? I didn't say well written. I said they were trying to say it was a different take on Moe because it presents itself as one way initially and then violent things start to happen. That is what I said.
1: So is it impossible for a show that has, like, Moe characters in it that kill each other to be good?
0: I said nothing about good. I said they were trying to tell me that it was different from regular Moe, and it's not.
2: I don't know. I would say that it is, just because it's not really a show that's meant to be like, oh, look, those girls are so cute, I want them to be my girlfriend and rape them all night. It's a horror show.
0: Moe is about getting that feeling of, oh, those poor girls, I want to protect them. And nothing says, that poor girl, I want to protect them, than seeing them get killed, as the ending of Shuffle clearly illustrates... The girls Girls are are evil evil in Higurashi. Kill other people.
2: The girls are the psychopaths that are, like, murdering people.
0: And that's some people's kink.
2: But the problem is, then, that no show can escape it.
0: There's an
1: easy guideline to follow, and the
0: guideline...
2: Osman Gadaio, then, doesn't count, either.
1: Yeah, that's somebody's kink as well. Yeah.
2: It
0: is, and that's unfortunate. Those people need to be burned. But the easy <laughs> know, thing I... to remember is that a show is bad if I say it is. <laughs> Ken continues.
2: Whatever, dear. Second, uh... is it me,
0: or was Kamen Rider Kabuto aimed at girls? The guys look like boy band members, and they do such things as cook, put cosmetics on people, and take care of younger siblings. Also, the scarf that Tsurugi knits in his last appearance, something usually done in anime by girls, Again, Ken, you're very spot on. Common Rider Kabuto is aimed at girls. Oh
2: no, it's men doing domestic things. Yes. Or looking at traffic. It's
0: part of the emasculation of the modern generation of men. Whatever. It's true. I read it on the internet. Kamen Rider Kabuto, as well as a lot of the previous Kamen Rider series, starting with Feist, they decided that the secret to success was to not only target little boys, but also their moms. So middle-aged housewives are also a sub-demographic of these series, so they hire a lot of host club-looking guys to play the parts of the characters. You're two for two, Ken.
2: I'm really bothered by the assertion that because the guys cook or something that automatically means that they're somehow...
0: Less of a man, it's true.
2: or that it's automatically meant for girls. It's such a bullshit
0: Do you think maybe sexist because
2: standard.
0: That's how we roll on the it anime world It is a Japanese show. Yeah.
2: yeah. Is there really a stigma in Japan about males cooking, though?
1: Unless it's the Iron Chef.
2: I mean, a lot of chefs are men, even in Japan.
0: You have to wear the hat.
1: <laughs> there's there's actually this comic strip called uh, Shortcuts that was released in America. Yeah, yeah, And there was a short strip in there where they made fun of the American man. I don't have it in front of me now, but basically they said, hey, get the American man, he will cook for you, he will clean for you, and do all of these sorts of things, it was kind of a stab at the fact that American men help out their wives.
2: I guess that just seems weird because there are plenty of men who are chefs and who work in sushi restaurants and ramen restaurants, so I guess it's okay if you do it for a job? I don't know. It's weird. I guess it's okay if you do it to earn money for other people, but if you do it for your wife, somehow that's a terrible thing.
1: Yeah, I can agree with
0: that.
2: Aw, sexism.
1: (laughs) We have another letter here called Viz Not at AX Insight, and this is from the Angry Otaku over at AnimePodcast.net. This is in response to our show where we talked about Anime Expo, where we had that hour-long section on the news, and we talked about why Viz wasn't at Anime Expo at all. The Angry Otaku says, Dear Gerald, episode 56, the Viz speculation, you're doing it wrong. Their total PR speak explanation makes more sense when you realize that the Lima licensing show in New York was the weekdays before Anime Expo, and Viz was there. At Lima, Viz sets up a booth which is more like a sprawling two-story condo with private offices, a display area where you can actually camp out. I have pictures of this thing somewhere I'll try to find. Licensing is not a door show, meaning they make their money by charging a few hundred thousand dollars to exhibit there, but that's justifiable when you consider that in 30 minutes you can ink a deal worth $2 million for toothpaste rights, Burger King, kids' meals, or whatever. Viz needs permission from the Japanese offices for everything they do. Just like ADV can't take out the garbage anymore without Sojits having a committee meeting approving it. Sojits, by the way, is the company that bought a whole bunch of ADV some earlier this year. Mm. So the decision to spend what would have been 10000 to 20000 just to ship the booth back to L.A. from New York in time for Anime Expo only to try to make money by selling products and competing with their own accounts was probably best made the way it was from a management perspective. So Viz sat out Anime Expo. Even Anime Next, the convention in New Jersey, actually had to move its traditional date as to not conflict with licensing this past year. Now, it's a PR nightmare to tell otaku that you passed on a fan-based convention for a big corporate one in New York. The other reason Viz wouldn't tell the public what the scheduling conflict was is simply that they don't want hordes of mostly under-21 costumed otaku showing up at this thing, hanging around the booth, asking inappropriate questions, and scaring off Medvest Vaco and the multi-million dollar Naruto school stationery deal. I don't know if that's the real deal, but that's the kind of thing Viz wants to avoid. All in all, Viz decided to go where the money was, and that's a good thing in a way. Since the longer Viz operates in the black, the more anime the US will see. That is all, the angry otaku. Hmm. So, I don't have a lot to respond to that, but I mean it makes sense when you're Does
2: Viz really need to go to licensing things since they have every Shonen Jump?
1: Well, if they want to get those things thing, out Saying I
2: assume that they have access to lots of other non-Shonen Jump titles as well.
1: I guess, as we have seen, a lot of the money in anime is in merchandising.
2: Yeah, that's true.
1: And so they're not making money by selling those DVDs, they're making money by selling action figures.
2: Right, and I guess that those ties don't extend to the merchandising.
1: Yeah, Naruto toothpaste and Bible Black Hmm. Butter or whatever.
0: Well, he brings up a very good point about the booth. A lot of times when you go to Otakon or Anime Expo, you see these companies that have really big, impressive booths. And it mm-hmm. bears repeating that they didn't make that booth for Expo or Oticon. They made those booths for shows like this, for Lima, MIP.
2: Yeah,
1: they want to sell those yeah, things.
0: Those shows are where the big, really flashy, elaborate booth is for. And then afterwards, they're like, eh, okay, we can bring it to Expo too, I guess.
1: They're even toned down for Expo because a lot of those booths, he's, he's right in that they actually do have places to sit in them where they can ink deals and all that stuff. So
0: there's another thing, like he said, where it would be a PR nightmare to tell Otaku that, oh, we <laughs> didn't make this for your con, we just happened to have whatever it's not like they'd really care too much anyway so why bother advertising the fact still they could have just said we're going to other things but they're at sdcc which is happening right now as we speak so
1: yeah i don't know what i feel about that because i mean i hate the pr speak so much but i understand that they would be getting people who just don't really understand that it's important that they get this stuff licensed and This
0: is really a Steve Harrison area of inquiry, because (laughs) he's always talking about how ADV would always go to the trade show in the hopes to sell their rights to get a TV deal in Europe or something like that, and the deal never comes. I have no idea how successful Viz is. I imagine they probably are pretty successful, because, hey, everybody wants Naruto somewhere.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, think about the merchandising that we see with anime. I can't think of a lot of merchandising from ADV's side. Like, if you think about all the shows they've got, you see, like, Noir Soap? They did some of that.
2: Yeah, I mean, Not- there's definitely some stuff here and there, and right stuff also has some shirts and stuffed plushies and things like that, but I think Viz has a lot of those titles that tend to get the largest amount of merchandising because they have all those Shonen Jump properties. Exactly, yeah. And if you look even in Japan, what's the stuff that gets the most merchandising? Gundam? Shonen Jump properties? And what else? Ava. I'm actually a little surprised I don't see more Ava stuff. But then I guess I see Ava T-shirts and messenger bags, and, and it seems and like stuff, it's licensing so. on a very
1: small scale. Like the you're seeing those bags, which are made by that one company that does a lot of like yeah. the anime bags, and then and then the wall scrolls, which we yeah. found out there are is a legitimate company, Great Eastern, doing legitimate wall scrolls, right? And not a whole lot else.
2: Yeah. I'm still surprised at, well, I guess not really surprised, because it just hasn't really done very well here, but Gundam is huge in terms of merchandise in Japan, but I guess it's just not that popular here. I can't
0: fathom why, I mean, Gundam Crossfire for the PlayStation 3 (laughs) is just such a a great great game.
2: But I mean, they don't it's forget the-, the upcoming Gundam Dynasty Warriors.
0: Actually, that game is awesome.
2: I did I'm play the I'm, demo I'm, I'm for that, and it was pretty fun. They but did the thing Japanese is, it's not, and English.
1: It's dual language. It's not
2: really any better than any other Dynasty Warriors game, like technically. It is, that's true. It's, it's fun. Pretty,
1: all the bad guys just stand around and look at you the entire time. So yeah. whatever.
2: All the random enemies do, but that's Dynasty Warriors, Samurai Warriors. They'll hit you some, but yeah, a lot of the time they just stand there. The bosses can get kind of rough, though. Yeah. Miliardo and Epion is broken.
1: I'm just very happy that they included English and Japanese.
2: Yeah, I time. was really pleased about that. Yeah, so. there's
0: no reason for them not to do one, considering yeah. the capacity of Blu-ray. But then again, don't they still do it for the HD DVD releases? <laughs> What's the point of having these multiple SKUs? In this age, they're like, really high-capacity storage. It's not like they can say, Oh, we don't have enough space for the Japanese, because,
1: yeah, you do. But the idea behind the Blu-ray thing is that you just have one SKU, and you just release that one disc with a different cover, maybe.
2: I'm not sure what you're talking about
0: instead of having like a region one region two or you know a japanese release and then oh. uh, so-and-so release as yeah. well you could just put all the language and localization stuff
1: on one
2: that's just region coding nonsense i mean there's not really that much reason for a lot of the region coding now well oh. blu-ray
1: is not region coded so oh, right, it's right. region free
2: yeah, yeah. They
1: realized how stupid it was. Yeah,
2: finally. If
0: you put it in, like, a Japanese PlayStation 3, then...
1: It would just play the Japanese audio and just detect
0: that. Right, it'll detect the whatever settings. So,
1: we'll see. I would really like to see them release Metal Gear Solid 4 with dual language, because that has got really, really awesome cast, even though the English dub is awesome still. Yeah,
2: the English is good, but the Japanese has Akio Otsuka. Yes, it does
0: i think akio otsuka discussion is a little too good for this episode Aww, and we're Akio-Otsuka. forbidden from talking about yeah, it yeah yeah we need to talk about so, it. i mean oh, we gotta right. we gotta get ready we gotta spiritually prepare ourselves for bad <laughs> things only
2: <laughs> okay
0: so with that i guess we'd better get these important reviews underway right now
2: hey awo this is malin and i'm calling to give you a courtesy bump so you don't lose your number that would be a very very bad thing you like, keep up the show. You're doing great things for people. Let's hope you don't lose this number anytime soon. Goodbye. <laughs>
1: In the medieval times of the early 90s, John O'Donnell tried to license his first anime. This was back when CPM was just starting out. He was licensing this show called Mina Chow, which I believe means "I give my all." And this show was a pretty tame sex comedy. There's not even enough bad stuff in this that it would be put into like any porn line or anything. But the thing is that before this time, no one had really seen much in the terms of animated sex before, except for heavy metal and all the total crap that Ralph Bakshi puts out. Now, apparently, Sony was the group that licensed this to CPM, and they started to get some notice about this disgusting, disturbing sex comedy that they were trying to put out. In fact, it got so bad that Sony decided to recall their license of the title. CPM had actually started taking pre-orders at this time.
0: Are they still allowed to do stuff like that?
1: Well, from what I understand, Sony actually asked them very politely if they would very kindly withdraw the show, but I would find it very hard that they could do that today. Like today, when you sign on the dotted line, that's it. Oh, and note, about a year or two later, they released Legend of the Overfiend. So, hmm. <laughs> as an apology over Ime Agachow, Sony gave CPM three titles. One of them was Wannabes, which is the female wrestling masterpiece. The other was Dog Soldier, another masterpiece. Yeah,
0: I don't know if we alone are powerful enough to take that one on single-handedly.
1: Yeah, that's a Neil Nadelman joint. And the last one was The Humanoid, the show I'm going to be talking about. Notice how I didn't say it was a masterpiece? But what about the beautiful art? We'll get to that. It's, it's fine art. You'll see. Anyway... Anyone who's been around the anime block for probably around 15 years probably knows about The Humanoid, even if they haven't watched it. But for those who don't know, let's get through some of the basics. The show is originally called The Humanoido Aeno Wa Wakusei Rizaria, or as it's just known in America, The Humanoid. It's a one-shot 1986 OAV directed by Shinichi Makaki, and this actually brings up a question.
0: George Allen got fired for saying that he lost that saying, election. Oh wait, Makaki, never mind.
1: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> See, the thing is that this Shinichi Makaki, the only thing he's ever worked on is apparently the humanoid. But Shinichi Masaki has apparently directed other stuff like Pure Mail, which is porn, Koihime, which is porn, and a bunch of episodes of Ikara no Go, not porn.
2: Wait no. Oh wait no. That was just a lot of. Dojinshi. Right, yeah,
0: yeah. It's right. <laughs> easy to confuse the two. <laughs> it yeah, might just be yeah. a case of CPM's credits being full of shit, like how they always credit Yoshiko Sakakibara yes. as Ryoko Sakakibara. They do with this
1: as well.
2: What is up with that? I never understood that.
0: There must be different magical ways of reading
1: kanji that my mortal well, mind Well, there can't are, comprehend. but
2: I would think that they'd have people that could double check these things.
1: I thought that there was like a standard way of reading it too, but hmm.
2: I mean, there's only one correct reading right those particular names so I
1: so I'm just purely guessing that this Shinichi Makake is actually Shinichi Masaki it's purely a guess who knows anyway the humanoid itself is a sci-fi show set on the distant planet of Lazaria there's actually this really lame Star Wars text crawl right at the beginning that sets everything up however if it weren't there that text crawl it probably wouldn't make much of a difference because it's not really addressed a whole lot in the show. They talk about how there's this group of people called the Megalos who live with these human beings on this planet, and they live there because their original planet was destroyed, and now the daughter of the emperor lives there. This never really comes into play a whole lot.
2: Hey, this sounds like a birth.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's to show everyone how deep they thought about when they were constructing their world. And it's, so, look, see, there's a rich you know, universe <laughs> at, at play here that we're only privy to a small glimpse of.
2: Or
1: they actually made the show and then they just went back and realized, we've got to set something up.
2: There's a new story
0: in this. Yeah, the id Software style of writing the story for the <laughs> instruction <laughs> manual before the game ships.
1: Yeah. The first page. <laughs> anyway, what the show is really about is two things. Firstly... The character of the humanoid itself. She is an android named Antoinette who has been designed to be as human-like as possible. But that's not <laughs> important. The important part is who designed her or who inspired her design. And that is the famous airbrush, erotica, and sexy robots artist Hajime Sariyama He's been working since the 1960s and is the de facto person to go to for any technosexuals out there his stuff is pretty recognizable he did like the cover art to uh, i believe just push play from aerosmith so basically this thing is kind of a vehicle for that it's also about another thing that's extremely important coffee
0: much like how freedom the new anime now is a tool for selling cup noodle ramen yes we yes. strongly suspect that the humanoid was in the pockets
1: of the coffee organizations yes yeah, the, the coffee yakuza
0: of juan valdez
1: Exactly. They talk about coffee more than any one single thing in the show, I'm pretty sure, and uh, I've got a clip to illustrate that. I guess we'll play that at the end.
2: Well, I'm sure that coffee is what the people making this were living off of as they slaved away for 90-plus hours a week.
1: No, that's math. Yeah. And I assure you they didn't work that hard on this show. <laughs> this show talks about the importance of coffee. But anyway... There are actually some main characters here besides Coffee. Some of the characters are Alan, who is the black Burt Reynolds, and Eric, basically 1980s sci-fi main character template number one.
2: So what exactly do you mean by black Burt Reynolds? Like he just looks like Burt Reynolds, but black?
1: Well, anyone who has got that mustache usually reminds me of Burt Reynolds.
2: Oh, okay. He's it's got a mustache a, thing.
1: It's a mustache thing. There's also Eric's girlfriend, Sherry, who's a total ripoff of one of the main girls on Dan Cougar, but no one in the world would know that besides me. And there's the smart guy, Dr. Watson. I kid you not, his name is Dr. Watson. And the guy with the big brain, his name is Libero.
0: Does he literally have a large, super exposed brain?
1: It's not exposed, but I was just watching this and waiting for it to, like, pulse, because it was just so big. But yeah, there's then a total shithead of a main guy, the bad guy, and I actually have a picture of him here. I'll post this on the blog. By hello there, Annabelle Gatto. <laughs> yeah, this guy.
2: Quite dashing.
1: Quite dashing, quite proud. His name is Governor Proud. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, this is real deep, this show.
0: Pride governs his emotions and actions.
1: The story of this show, if I actually gathered what the story really was about, is that Proud is trying to find this really important key. To resurrect this spaceship called the Ixion in this forest that has this limitless power or something—basically bullshit plot, sci-fi plot like number one. Uh, Anyway, in the beginning of the show, Alan and Eric are landing on the planet, and because the plot demands it, they crash on the planet. Why? Don't ask questions. This plot does not demand that you ask questions of it. Anyway, they find their way. Alan and Eric find their way to the castle, so that Eric and the castle. Yes, yes, they live in a castle. I'm not kidding.
0: Is it at least a space future castle, or is it just they've got a spaceship and then they go to the medieval castle?
1: No, this is a regular castle on the ground.
0: I and t- David Xanatos didn't renovate it or anything.
1: No, no, no. It's, <laughs> it's very disappointing. Like, this is not, like, MD Geist-level bad. This is just bad. Anyway, he's reunited with his unbelievably bland girlfriend, whom he proposes to, and sitting quietly in the dark together, they're suddenly attacked by ninjas with bazooka lasers on afros.
2: What?
0: That sounds like the best show ever made.
1: No, no, I wish that happened. Totally fucking wish that happened. No, nothing happens. Anyway, they meet Antoinette, and Antoinette spends some time with Sherry and Eric and begins to understand the thinking of humans and this thing we call love.
2: Aww.
1: You know how she finds out about love?
0: Because her power switches in her gooch?
1: No.
2: (laughs) (laughs) No, that's Chobins.
1: (laughs) Because they take a page from every romantic comedy movie ever made, and they have the characters go into a lake and start splashing each other. Oh god, every single cliche I can think of. Anyway, this Governor Proud guy is trying to get this key. And this Minister Libero actually did this research on this key, and he says, no, 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 you can't put these things together, because when I did it 40 years ago, it caused a whole bunch of things to blow up, and everything went to shit.
0: And is this guy still in power, (laughs) even though? Usually if you make a mistake like that, that
1: kind of costs
2: you
0: the governorship.
1: Well, he's a minister, so I guess he has some power. Hmm.
2: Maybe he's related to George W. Bush.
0: Maybe. I-, I didn't mean to accidentally blow up this thing, but I promise I won't do it again. You yeah. know. <laughs> well, basically, I'm just going to pr- leave this key right here, and you have to promise <laughs> not to touch it.
1: Yeah, and Proud basically says, ha ha ha, that's, that's never going to happen to me. Remember, because he's Proud. They eventually find out that this other key that they need is inside... Antoinette of all places. Proud combines these two keys, and you know what happens?
2: Everything blows up.
1: Exactly! Well, that sounds exciting. I basically took you through the entire plot, and I guarantee you that there are people listening to this who fell asleep. This is such a boring and bad movie. The thing is the that. 30 minutes of. It's 45 but surely
2: minutes. it's more enjoyable to watch than. It's 45 minutes. It's,
1: yeah. CPM tried to make this interesting in that they uh, added this pop-up video-esque feature where you would watch it and then you get a bunch of these fun facts I guess. like
2: a um, in Excel Saga or in
1: yeah not as yeah. interesting as Excel Saga like you get fun facts like pink flamingos is a 1973 John Waters film where the large transvestite divine actually eats dog feces <laughs> because people need to know that well
0: no no the context is important that they're showing a picture of a pink
1: bird It's not a flamingo, flamingo, but it is pink. And also extremely... But they really
2: wanted to talk about Divine, and who can blame them?
1: Well, unfortunately, though, I got curious about that and went onto YouTube to see if that video was there, and Oh, you
0: actually never actually heard of pink flamingos before? You've lived a good life up to now.
1: Yeah, I I wish I hadn't seen that clip. And of course, very important things like uh, this fact here. It says, music like this usually indicates that our hero must run faster in order to escape. <laughs> this is real deep. And it's
0: also like, the pop-ups aren't really pop-ups. They're more like the oh, captions I... in Star yeah. Blazers or something, where they want to block out the fact that kanji existed and this show is from Japan. Oh. So it's just yes. a solid black box where the text is.
1: Yes. I mean, I guess I should give them some credit for just doing something. Anyway, the show itself, the mech designs in it, actually are pretty good at times. The character designs aren't really that good, and in fact, they kind of jump around. I'm going to post a picture of this on the blog.
0: (laughs) This is a picture of me and a picture of you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm the one on the right. Uh, So I'm the Black Burt Reynolds. (laughs) Well, Well, he does
2: have the better rape face. Yeah, that's
1: true. <laughs> the identical rate um,
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Yeah, this is some of the heights that the uh, character animation can achieve. It still an-
2: looks better than some episodes of Macross.
1: <laughs> or Nadia, but
2: <laughs> oh, oh God, Macross.
1: Yeah, the animation for like really short seconds looks fantastic when something is exploding it's like they handed it off to a really good guy just to do like two seconds of footage but in general this thing looks pretty average the music to it is pretty you know catchy eighties sorts of music as you kinda heard in the opening to this review in general this show has got a reputation and it is a uh, well-deserved reputation and like we were saying a while ago that there's two types of bad there's the really awesome bad where you can watch a show and laugh at it and enjoy it and then there's the insidious bad the type of bad where you can't really get the full feeling of the badness of it until you've watched the entire thing and this is definitely one of those times so Mm. yeah pretty much the point like the plot line is really boring there's nothing really positive to say about it other than you know decent music and decent character designs and those two seconds of animation are really good but Other than that, I would avoid this.
0: Yeah, there's no, like, kitsch value to watching this whatsoever. It's just really piss poor and uh, should be watched by nobody.
1: Yep, should be watched by nobody. I say just avoid this altogether. Forget this thing ever existed, because I'm pretty sure John O'Donnell wishes it didn't.
2: Wait, then why did we bring people's attention to it?
1: Because we live awesome lives of horribleness. I don't know. i needed something short to review
0: (laughs) well the thing is the humanoid is 45 minutes going on three hours
1: yes it is like this review yeah i
0: think (laughs) in the interest of making the review shorter than the actual anime (laughs) that's it then we can just hit stop
1: yes yeah let's let's end this let's not talk about the humanoid again time seems to stand still in space It's as if we were drifting aimlessly, floating between the stars. The never-ending blackness has been known to drive some men mad. It's only memories of Earth and the rich smell of this coffee that keeps my spirits up. (sighs) At least we'll reach our destination
0: soon.
2: Oh, this coffee tastes great!
0: The princess loves all the flavors of
2: Earth. Thank you. The coffee was grown on Lazaria. I'd be happy to bring you some more beans if you'd like, Your Highness. (sighs) (sighs) You make a fine cup of coffee you made my day. I'm pleased you like it, Alan. I selected a coffee
0: from our inventory with the most full-bodied taste and richest aroma designed especially for our guests. Oh, Doctor, uh, any idea who attacked us out there? Just be careful! Great. And I had to go make
1: coffee for two.
0: Would you? my coffee's starting to cool off
1: Alan, your coffee's ready that uh, coffee? my salvation from my day to day drudgery hey, where'd all the coffee cups go to? oh, Sherry took all the cups away and
0: decided to wash them
2: who wants to try some of my fresh baked cookies?
1: a little bitter but still an excellent blend
2: Does it remind you of home?
1: Jim uh, from uh, Las Vegas,
0: Nevada. I just want to say uh, good job with the show. More power to you. And this is just a suggestion, but you should dedicate a show with nothing but discipline readings. They are the shit, if I can say that on the air. Anyways, you're the best. More power to you guys, and uh, I enjoy the show. Bye.
2: On With the theme of amazing shows, we'll talk about a much more recent series. Seinen has given us a lot of really amazing things of, well, various levels of quality. Some of them are honestly amazing, and some of them are amazing in the way that Angel Cop is amazing. <laughs> this is definitely the latter. The name of it is, well, the full title is Naikaku Kenryoku Hanzai Kyosei Torishimari and Jotaro. Which does actually mean something. It means Government Crime Investigation Agent Zeizen Jotaro. I'm just going to refer to it as Zeizen Jotaro, just because that title is ridiculous.
0: But it tells you everything you need to know.
2: It does. It tells you exactly what the show is about.
1: Much like Angel Cop. (laughs) And the humanoid, so...
2: Hmm. Yeah, I don't know about those. I mean, Angel Cop, I guess it sort of tells you, but I don't think it really... Well, it maybe, it's, say, maybe it's a combination.
1: It's, it's, not called, it's not called like Angel Cop blows away retinas. Well, here's the thing. It's, on the bikes.
2: <laughs> it's the
0: combination of the show being named Angel Cop and the fact that the logo of the show is spelled out by firing the letters in English in blood.
2: <laughs> That's true. All right. <laughs> As gunshots okay, yeah. go off. Yeah, I'd forgotten about that. That makes a big difference. Now, this show is apparently based on a manga by the writer Ken Kitashiba and the artist Yasuhiro Watanabe. Genius. Now, I haven't been able to find any other credits for Ken Kitashiba. There's an entry in Wikipedia for a guy with the same kanji for his name, who apparently is like a criminologist and psychologist and does write manga. So I'm guessing it's the same guy, except I don't really want to believe that it's the same guy, because his profile would lead me to believe that he actually knows things about the government, and about police work, and watching at least the anime adaptation of Joe Taro, I can't really conceive of it being written by somebody who actually has any idea what they're talking about.
0: So it's kind of like a blackjack, <laughs> written by Osamu Tezuka, and Tezuka was this <laughs>
1: doctor who knows what's really going kind on. Kind
2: of, yeah. I'm
1: pretty sure you can cure tuberculosis by operating on people.
2: I guess if Tezuka says so, I mean he is a doctor. I guess Zaisen Jotaro is a realistic, dramatic depiction of government corruption and special investigations in the same way that Mad Bull is a realistic depiction of the New York police force.
1: But it is Um, a realistic depiction of the New York (laughs) police force. Koike just went over there and just wrote exactly what happened.
2: Closely observed, the New York police...
1: And the writer of Zizan Jotara just hung around a concrete company for a week <laughs> and wrote exactly what he saw.
2: Yeah. I believe it. Could be. Now the artist of this masterpiece is a guy named Yasuhiro Watanabe, and the only other credit I can find he was apparently an assistant of Tetsu Ohara. And the only other credit I can find for him is on a manga called Wild Leaguer, which I have no idea what that is. is that I've like heard of a,
1: that. Uh, I think it's soccer a b- manga or something.
2: Anime News Network says it was licensed by Gutsoon Entertainment.
1: But I can totally like see how this artist was inspired by Tetsu Ohara.
2: Yeah, eyebrows. It's all in the eyebrows. Yes. Continues the fine tradition begun by Kenshiro.
1: Elaborates on it even so.
2: Yes, clearly. Now, I believe that this series is in total about 13 episodes, but only about six of those have been fansubbed. I don't know if there are plans to actually complete the series or not.
0: Maybe all of us should find the IRC channel and demand <laughs> yes.
1: the rest of it. I agree.
2: Right. Well, as I mentioned, this is a seinen manga, and it's serialized in Comic Bunch, right alongside Fist of the Blue Sky, The Angel Heart, and Akihabara at Deep. But the really terrifying thing to me is that this manga has gone for 17 volumes.
0: So it's like the Golgo 13 for the new generation. <laughs>
2: People have been reading this thing for 17 volumes. Now, maybe the manga is different from this anime. I don't know. I haven't read any of it at all. But if the animated version is anything to go by, I don't know how this has lasted for 17 volumes.
0: Well, obviously, it's driven by character. Much like how GoGo13 is such an exceptional character, obviously, Zai Zen Jotaro himself must be quite the character in yeah. his own right.
2: Well, oh, if Golgotha 13 is your standard for amazing characters, then I and guess Zaisen Jotaro would qualify. Which is to say that Zaisen Jotaro, he's there, and he does things that wouldn't seem like they would actually result in anything, and yet somehow, miraculously, it solves everything, and he's super awesome. Is it
0: like Master Keaton? No! <laughs>
2: No, like, okay, so Zazen Jotaro works for this government crime investigation agency, which the whole point of it is that there's too much corruption between business and the government. There's too much money changing hands, and these shady business people are getting away with all of these crimes that they shouldn't be because they're giving money to the government, and so on and so forth. And so this special agency within the government was formed in order to take on these special cases, which sounds like a pretty serious, intricate kind of show. But Zizen Jotaro, this agent that the series focuses around, basically his claim to awesomeness is that he's really, really rich.
0: Oh, yes. So he has Batman's superpower.
2: Yeah, except Batman does other things besides being rich. I mean, Batman uses his money to buy equipment that's really awesome, and then he studied martial arts for years so that he can use (laughs) said equipment along with his super kung fu and his super genius detective brain to get the drop on everybody. What does
0: Zai Jotaro do with his money?
2: Zai (laughs) Jotaro... Well, he uses money to do things like fly in in a jet and buzz the control tower at the airport for no reason, just to be an asshole. He's also apparently rich enough that he can magically make his face and his arm pointing at people appear on the control room screens. I still don't know exactly how he did that. I guess money allows you to manifest things electronically. And then jump out of said plane instead of actually landing like a normal person and getting out.
0: Does he use a parachute or are parachutes for sissies?
2: No, no, he he did use a parachute, I believe. This is in the first episode, by the way. He apparently also uses it to hire approximately 15 butlers and maids both to dress him. Although we only ever see this happen once, again in the first episode.
1: And what's even more amazing is who provided the credit card, but that's a different story.
2: Yeah, yeah, let's not spoil that.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's I think we'll very leave
2: important. the viewers to discover that for themselves.
1: But this is the most epic credit card in But
2: history. yeah. That's his like awesome agent power, you know, like Golgo Thirteen super skilled sniper. Okay, fine. You know James and a super Bond super skilled
0: everything. Else.
2: Yeah, yeah. Golgo Thirteen <laughs> is good at everything, and, and James Bond is a super spy and he has the license to kill. Zizen Jotaro has a glorified credit card. It's called the Designer's Gold Black Card. You mm. know it's great because it's got two colors, not just one.
0: You're right, because the it's black not- card is something that's only <laughs> issued to people if they spend like. Over what a quarter million a year or something yeah. like that, and so.
2: And apparently, the designer's gold black card is a magic credit card because it has unlimited funds. Maybe it doesn't have unlimited funds.
0: Maybe it has like an unlimited spending limit, but he just thinks it's like, oh, credit cards are free money. <laughs> <laughs> I just buy whatever the fuck, and then the bill. He just shows doesn't up.
2: understand how credit cards work, so he thinks that it's just magical money. It's Like Captain yeah.
1: Murphy, yeah.
2: <laughs> oh, that er, could be. That oh, could so be. Awesome.
1: Take this credit card out, you, you just feel the ground rumbling as you swipe it through the credit card machine. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. And this, that's how powerful this credit card is.
2: Yeah, and everybody, I guess, knows who this guy is because he has this credit card or something. It's like the seal of (laughs)
0: Mito-Komon.
2: So then, you know, he has this super credit card, so he shows up, possibly disguises himself as some random thing, I don't know, like a golf caddy, or uh, you know, random dude at a bar.
1: Window washer. Yeah,
2: window washer. And then he'll hang around there and try and get some information on people, and then he'll do the patented anime quick change where he just, like, rips the shirt of the jacket off and then magically he's back into his normal clothes I wish I um, could do that and And then he basically stands there and just says a bunch of bullshit that doesn't make any sense and somehow that fixes everything and then I don't know he (laughs) sometimes he'll like snap his fingers and then he used his unlimited funds to hire a small army that appear out of nowhere (laughs) somehow no one noticed these people before
1: (laughs) so you you know what this show basically is what? Like we said, this is basically the Seinen uh, Cutie Honey.
2: Yeah, except there's no naked transformation sequence, and doesn't Cutie Honey actually do things? Like, fight? Supposedly. Jotar Jotaro doesn't really do anything.
0: Yeah, it's not like he's, like, infiltrating <laughs> these people and then shooting the people and recovering some <laughs> item.
2: No, it just, it like gets the information and then stands up and makes the haha justice speech. And then they're like, oh my god, I've been found <laughs> out. How can you possibly do this to me? I'm too important. And then That's they like take it DNA away. <laughs> so the, the plot to this show is completely ridiculous. And Joe Taro himself is completely ridiculous. But what really makes this show also is just the, the horrible, horrible directing. Oh, I thought you were going to say it's
0: his awesome so, calling card.
2: Well, that too. Zaisen Jotaro's characterization really is summed up in the fact that he's really rich, and I guess we're supposed to think that he's really handsome, stylish, and impressive, but he just seems kind of like a jerk and I think he's handsome. I guess he's kind of good looking, but he's not really oh, anything <laughs>
1: Those eyebrows are real sexy. Like you could open a can with those eyebrows. <laughs>
2: The eyebrows are impressive. He's a
0: can with
1: his eyebrows. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're that sharp. It's like, so... oh,
0: oh, they're sh- oh, okay, I see what you're saying.
1: Oh,
2: yeah, man. Yeah.
0: So he'd never be trapped in a house or stuck <laughs> on an island, let's say, where yes. there's lots of How do we open food. these
2: cans if they had only had Zai's and Joe Taro?
0: Don't worry. <laughs> the... He snaps his fingers and you know, says the magic words, and then opens the <laughs> just can. Just the credit
2: card just, you know, shines, and then the cans open all on their own. Yeah. And the other thing that makes up his characterization is that he has a catchphrase. Best and his catchphrase, catchphrase is that he snaps his fingers and he says, DA BOMB.
0: Awesome! How many times does he say this per episode?
2: It varies. It's anywhere from one to like five. They
1: build up. The entire show is basically an excuse to build up to him saying this phrase.
2: No, I don't know. In the first episode, it, sometimes it goes pretty quickly. Sometimes.
1: But sometimes it, it,
2: they use it a lot, and sometimes it's only, like, maybe <laughs> once in the episode, and they do kind of build up to it. So apparently Japan is just getting the memo on the phrase, the bomb, several years too late. But, well, I guess it is sane, and, and these are, you know, 40-something-year-old men.
1: Well, remember, this is 17 volumes, and, you know, if one volume comes out <laughs> a year, this is ahead of its time.
2: Well, I mean, hmm. 17 years
1: ago, people weren't saying, the bomb.
2: I don't think it's a volume a year somehow, but... <laughs>
1: we're going on averages here, I yeah, think. Yeah, this isn't Kentaro Miro we're talking about.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's really, that's really slow, a volume a year. It's probably more like two, so... Yeah, okay, maybe it's not that behind. But still, it's very, very lame. And it's always kind of out of nowhere and makes no sense. Like, there's no context. him saying it. It's not like he says I'm da bomb, or that was da bomb, just in the middle of some other conversation, or as there's a dramatic pause, just out of nowhere, for no reason, he just snaps and says that. Like, it has some kind of meaning by itself.
1: Well, see, poor people need context he's rich enough you, he can buy contacts. You know, yeah that's true anytime he wants so. so it's not
0: like how Jimmy Walker would try to throw it in like oh I give you a D for dynamite or anything like that
2: I don't know it's just at these completely random moments and it makes no sense whatsoever the other really hilarious thing is that Zai's and Jotaro used to be a regular comp And everybody talks, even from the first episode, about how Zai's in Jotaro, but isn't he dead? They eventually reveal that he was shot in this drug bust gone wrong. And they fudged the paperwork to say that he had actually died. And then he went into hiding for a few years until they could get this special agency up off the ground. And then he comes back to work for it. Is that where he went what? to the
1: desert in England?
2: Yeah, yeah, I think so. He went oh, okay. to the, all that know, the arid deserts land of Great in Britain Desert. <laughs> yes. <laughs> where he, he lived a harsh existence struggling through the deserts of Great yeah. Britain.
0: Had to dub Angel Cop to make ends meet.
2: <laughs> <laughs> For some reason, even though this guy was apparently just a cop, like there didn't seem to be anything special about him, everyone knows he died three years ago. So he shows up and Zazen Jotaro is not subtle at all. It's kind of like how Naruto is supposed to be a ninja, but he wears a bright orange jumpsuit And yells and a and he's really loud all the time, and just like <laughs> kinda comes in and he's like, I'm gonna fight you! And he's the worst ninja ever. Or maybe it's a little more like how James Bond is supposed to be the best spy ever, but he goes around and he tells everybody his real name. Maybe or James just... Bond
0: is a code name. <laughs> well,
2: maybe, but he still always <laughs> introduces himself as James Bond, and he's always sleeping around with everybody, and he's always blowing things up. He's not exactly subtle. And Zaizen Jotaro is the same way, so I don't know how anybody still actually thinks that he's dead. I mean, I don't know how everyone knows who he is in the first place, but nobody should believe that this guy is dead anymore. The other thing that really makes this show is the directing. The director is this guy, Hidetoshi Omori, he has a lot of credits for like animation and animation director. His only credits as an actual director that I can see are that he worked on the uh, segment of Robot Carnival called Deprive, I like which I actually segment. believe was good, so I don't know what the hell he's doing working on this thing.
0: Just to quickly describe Deprive, it's just a very basic shonen action tale. No characters, really, or anything like that. So maybe that's why.
2: Maybe. But he directed that. He's also credited as director for some OEV called Ogami Matsugoro and Judo Bu Modogatari, And he also is listed as a director on Dondo. Oh boy. Which was the amazing shonen TV series about golf.
1: Single handedly ended someone's career at. Yeah. Uh, I actually
2: thought that show would be awesome because I really like sports shows, but Dondo is just really bad. That's it, Jerry. So, first Chu, off, get out. I think they had about a budget of $10 per episode for this show, because the animation is really bad. There's a lot of still shots and basic close ups of people talking, and when they actually do have an action sequence, which doesn't happen very often, the animation is always really awkward looking. It tries to be really stylish, but it fails terribly because they came up with this method of cutting between people in scenes or from scene to scene. And they tried to be really cool, except the problem is, number one, it's just really lame. And number two, they use it every five seconds.
1: It's it like the Star it's like wipe the, transition? It's like the mask okay, so effect in Photoshop.
0: I don't know what that means.
2: Two people will be talking, and instead of just regularly cutting back and forth between the two people or setting up over-the-shoulder shots or something where you can capture both of them, you'll have a head-and-shoulders close-up of one person, and then rather than actually cut the whole scene to the other person, the outline of the person's head and shoulders, the other person will then appear within the outline of their head and shoulders. And then the other background or other surrounding things will still be there and it's just other parts of the scene appearing in this really lame looking cutout of uh, some other part of the scene or they'll have an over-the-shoulder shot and at first it'll look normal and then they'll keep the head and shoulder of the person in the foreground exactly the same but then move to an extreme close-up of the face of the person across the room. So now you have just this super close-up of their eyes and nose above the other person's shoulder and it looks incredibly strange and disjointed and then they use your more kind of standard lame transitions like somebody uh <laughs> walks across the screen and as they walk it-
1: it's a wipe
2: <laughs> or My like zizen a- jotaro waves his credit card and you know the, gun the credit transition. card wipes that was good one. which one
1: the gun transition where he waves his gun across the screen and that wipes the wipes oh into yeah, the next one. That, yeah real-
2: that one was good too <laughs>
0: Okay, because for a second when you were describing it, I thought it was like when you're playing Punch Out or whatever, and it shows like the sort of wireframe outline of your guy from the back, and and so you can see through him. That's what I thought you were talking about. Or like you switched to third person mode while playing like Duke Nukem.
2: It's kind of like when they do cuts of multiple people looking shocked and then you have these cut sections of the screen or you've got two people facing off and they like have one person's eyes on the top and one person's eyes on the bottom. Instead of doing these regular kind of cuts, they'll use areas of the picture like somebody's profile or a negative space made by some other object. Mm-hmm. And so it looks really awkward and they do it all the time. Yep. And there's not even, like, the voice acting in this show isn't even good. I mean, that's how amazingly terrible this show is. That usually, when you have something that's a complete disaster like this, you can at least say, well, the voice acting is good. You can't even say that about this show. I don't the think there's amazing any, I don't think there's anything about this show that is honestly good.
0: Not even like in the ironic entertainment sort of sense. Oh well, yes. Well, I mean,
2: it's so bad that it can be entertaining to watch. But there's nothing that's actually good. Every single part of this show is just so terrible. And the thing that really depresses me most of all, this thing's gone for 17 volumes. I have the feeling that there's just a ton of 30-something and 40-something year old and maybe even 50-something year old Japanese salarymen who take this totally seriously.
0: Yes, once I get my seat in the director's chair and become supervisor of this call center, then I, too, will have these funds to run around and just make dramatic entrances and say a bunch of bullshit, and everyone's going to just fear my words, because I'm a cool man.
2: Yeah.
1: Well, obviously this guy was trying to recreate Golgo, but without the guns, without the intrigue, without any sex or violence, and Golgo yeah. working at a concrete company or uh, something like that. So yeah, yeah, it, it's amazing. It's uh, a masterpiece.
2: <sighs> oh, God. I suggest you watch, at the very least, the first episode. Um, Second
1: episode sucks.
2: I personally think the first episode is the most ridiculous out of all six that I've watched, but there's some good moments in the in the other ones as well. That first episode, I feel like it hasn't really managed to top that. The first episode involves Zaizen Jotaro driving along the highway, at which all of a sudden four 18-wheeler trucks come out of nowhere around his car and are trying to crush him or run him off the road. And he eventually and gets out of it and it's just the most boring chase sequence ever. Well, you should also well, know more maybe, boring than
1: Death Proof?
2: Well, maybe it's maybe not more boring than the chase scenes in Birth, but it's pretty bad. And you should also and, mention
1: that one of the trucks disappears and suddenly no other cars are on the road.
2: Yeah. I don't know what and, happened to the other truck. It just
1: And he suddenly is on a 10-lane highway in one direction.
2: <laughs> yeah. So uh, eventually he manages to gets rid of a couple of them and he manages to trick the other one into like driving off the a cliff or whatever.
1: Well, suddenly the he, highway um, ends as well. <laughs> just,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. Just out of nowhere for no reason. And then... <laughs> and no warning
0: signs
1: or anything.
2: It's just, he, go he Japanese up,
0: salaryman on this road to oblivion.
2: He ends up, like, falling into, what was it, the river or something? And when he climbs out of the water, he gets attacked by monks. Well,
1: yeah. For no the, reason. Well, the monks just knew that he was bad news, and they, they took their they, guns out of their Bibles.
2: At no so. point is there ever an explanation for why random monks, or at least people masquerading as monks, and I'm talking like medieval monks, shaved top of the head, like brown. So not
0: like Buddhist monks, then? No,
2: no, no. European medieval monks. With, and yes, they open their Bibles and take guns out of their Bibles. It very much has that noir effect, where even if you're five inches away from Jotaro, you'll never be able to actually shoot him. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs)
0: okay it's good you mentioned that because at first it sounded like the best show ever made except noir effect cancels everything else out
2: one of them has
1: a mace so that was very important too did it i forgot about yes yes one of them had a mace
2: yeah
0: (laughs) maybe the local black templar charter was trying to recruit and said hey (laughs) you need we need people to go and fight eldar or something
2: oh
0: i can't believe i just said that
2: yeah, so everything is just really, really random. Like, so in one of the episodes, was it episode six? At some point, they go undercover on this golf course to try and get close to this guy. Episode five. And, yeah, and Taro and a couple other people are disguised as golf caddies <laughs> or something of the sort. I think they get discovered, and he takes out this detonator, and apparently he had previously conveniently rigged up The bomb? No, no, no. Oh. Like, smoke?
1: Oh, Hold on a second. He's found out, and then suddenly, out of nowhere, out of the forest, jump a thousand Yakuza. Just sitting there with their submachine guns and Uzis.
2: Oh, right, right. And then he pulls out this switch and sets off the smoke bombs that he had luckily set up right in that area beforehand. And as the Yakuza are all confused by the smoke, which is slowly crawling towards them from the forest. They turn around, all of them to look at the smoke like, Whoa! at which point Jotaro and the other people run away and then they duck behind something and he takes out this giant control unit and this huge vehicle he controls and it, it drives out of the forest
1: it's like one of those industrial dump trucks that they have on those enormous yeah, sites and I have and no
2: idea why it was there or how he had the
1: controls for it he just has a remote control gigantic industrial just, dump truck that's just normal
2: that was just right there and <laughs> just just drives it Flips in. open his
1: watch and
0: shouts,
2: Marvelor! And
0: then the robot shows up and gets in his car, <laughs> flies, drives into it, <laughs> snaps his fingers, goes, the bomb And then <laughs> turns into a robot.
1: So if you want to find out about real corporate espionage <laughs> in Japan, the, yeah. the real world, the Japanese business world, this is where you want to start.
2: Yeah, if you, you want an example of just how brilliant and amazing seinen manga and anime are... I don't
0: understand why there's no fandom for it in America.
1: <laughs> I don't know, my Gekiga panel should have gotten fans, but it just got complaints.
2: Clearly, I I mean, with shows like Zai's and Jotaro being sub today, I don't know how we're not just seeing a massive seinen fandom popping up. It's mystifying.
1: That's why we need to support this show. We need to get out there. We need to sub the show. We need to get the show <laughs> released over here. We need to push the show. This well, is important. We need to
0: get a remastered, properly subtitled Angel Cop first. And then. Yeah. Zai Zen a second after <laughs> the commemorative Mad Bull Ultimate Edition. Because we have no DVD of it yet. There's no justice. Keith Burgess lied
2: to me. We'll get Zai's and Jotaro licensed and undo everything that people are trying to do by releasing amazing things like Monster and MPD Psycho. <laughs> we'll kill seinen forever in the United States right there. Oh, wow.
0: <laughs> Don't give Seven Seas Entertainment any ideas.
2: <laughs> Aww.
0: If you're not listening to Anime Pacific, here's a sampling of what you're missing out on. And I'd already lived in, in North China for quite a while, so I'd had my fair share of bad toilet. And I ran into this thing. I said, oh, okay, quick, over there. Untucked Did you fall head. into the ditch? The booth that I went into had a guy crouching. Good. Couldn't see this guy because <laughs> he You slammed into him. I slammed him into him. <laughs> he fell into this ditch. And the guy's like...
1: Ah!
0: And I'm like holding him with both my arms. He, this guy's got his pants around his ankle. His... And he's got this hat next to him. And the, the hat was rolling towards the ditch. And the one English word he said was... Hat, hat! And I had to use my other hand to grab the hat. If you liked what you heard and want to hear more, including anime news, reviews, and Tales from Asia... Go to www.animepacific.blogspot.com or subscribe to us through iTunes. Anime Pacific So, Angel Cop, probably one of the greatest postmodern epics ever created in the history of anime. Film, cinema, what have you. (laughs) Normally, when I review stuff for AWO, I watch it and I take little short notes to myself. Like one sentence just to jog my memory. I don't really like to read off a page or anything. And I just decided to look at the amount of quick little things I wrote for Angel Cop. I did a word count on it. There's 3,500 words here.
2: (laughs) Oh my god, Daryl.
0: There's too many things to talk about in Angel Cop such that I'm not going to mention all of these things I've written here. Unfortunately, you can't be told what Angel Cop is. You have to see it for yourself. So, while this review will contain some spoilers for a plot that doesn't matter, it doesn't even begin to scratch the surface of what is contained. Angel Cop
2: has a plot?
0: It has a very intricate plot. (laughs) I would agree. It doesn't even begin to scratch the surface of what is present within Angel Cop. So, just bear that in mind as you listen on. I guess some context... Everyone remembers Akira, or Akira as I pronounce it, because I'm a shitty American. Big movie from the 80s. Really popular manga as well. And after that movie came out, a whole lot of things wanted to be like Akira. Kind of like how, remember when Evangelion came out, you had like a bunch of shows afterwards that wanted to be just like Evangelion. You had mm-hmm. Razaphon and Brain Powered and all that jazz. Every big yeah, popular yeah, yeah. thing, there's a couple of things that want to be like it. Well, after Akira, everyone wanted to be like Akira. And so one of the key animators for Akira was a guy named Hiroyuki Kitakubo, who is not to be confused with Hiroyuki Kitazume, who we talked about last week. Yeah. Who's the Zeta Gundam guy. But to add confusion to it, both of those guys had robot carnival segments. So Hiroyuki Kita something. Kitazume was the robot carnival segment, Starlight Angel. Hiroyuki Kitakubo did the robot carnival segment, A Tale of Two Robots.
1: I actually like that mm. guy,
0: even though it, Yeah. A, a Tale of Two Robots is pretty hilarious.
1: Well, yeah, I don't really like that segment.
0: Oh, you don't? I thought it was funny, but it was really funny because the streamlined dub of it gave everyone really, really stereotypical Japanese accent, like, Oh what happened? The boss that hit us, that's
2: what
1: <laughs> Oh actually yeah, I did like that segment. I, I was thinking of a totally different segment, sorry. Oh, oh, yeah, okay. that was actually pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I think I like
0: it more for black magic. <laughs>
2: You mean the Terminator?
0: Yes, the Terminator, basically, is what that one was. But as for Angel Cop, he decided, all right, well, I worked on Akira. I was one of the key animators for it. I I got an idea for Angel Cop, along with another guy who was mainly known just for writing romance comics. And then after Angel Cop, he went right back to writing romance comics. Angel Cop. It's a six-part OAV from, I guess it's the early 90s, 93. Maybe it was 94. I don't feel like checking. Although I could swear it would be like from 1988. It was from 89 to 94. Okay, good. Because it very much seems like it was written in the late 80s. The reason I said early 90s was because the end of the credits say 90s. But this is directed by a guy who is near and dear to my heart named Ichiro Itano, who we've mentioned before on this podcast, but it was several episodes ago. Ichiro Itano is... A super kick-ass animation director. He did the action scenes for pretty much Macross anything. He came up with the whole swirling missiles and all the crazy explosions and all that. That's all Ichiro Itano. The Itano Mm -hmm.
1: Circus. Yes, the
0: Itano Circus is the name of that missile effect. Animation director, absolutely top rate. Regular director, horrible... Awful. Yet
2: another person who's really good at one aspect and really should not ever attempt to direct. Yes. We've had a lot of that. Several mech designers that are really good mech designers, but God, when they try and direct, it's just a disaster. Koichi
1: Ohari is an awesome director.
0: Well, anyway, the thing about Angel Cop, there's a crazy amount of talent involved with this O.A.V. I mean, we've got Kubo and we've got Ichiro Itano. Character designs are by Nobuteru Yuki, who did yeah. Escaflowne, he did Heat yeah. Guy J, he's most currently known for the new Towards the Terra anime. Yeah. We interviewed him a year ago at Otakon last year. I always year. forget
2: that he worked on Angel Cop.
0: Yeah, but there's no denying, you take one look at it, it's like, yep, that's yeah. uh, Nobuteru Yuki character designs.
1: Super detailed character designs.
0: Yes. So, in addition to Itano being a super kick-ass animation director, the animation director for Angel Cop was doggy-style pedophile man himself, Yasuomi Umetsu. <laughs> <laughs> of course, the credits are total bullshit, because they call him Yasushige Umetsu. How do they get this wrong? There's shit no such wrong. person, and they also know. say it's directed by Ichiro Sakano, and then later in the same credits, they call him Ichiro Itana. They don't God. get his name right once. The uh, back of the box. It's says not like there's
2: no way you can double-check these names.
0: I don't know. But... Like, it used to drive hire... me crazy,
2: on like, the Utena DVDs, <laughs> they'd get fucking Takehito Koyasu's name wrong. How can you not know who that is, not know what that correct name is?
0: And this is a problem that only extends for like CPM, software sculptors, manga, that British origin stuff. <laughs> On the subject of British origins, this is another one where the dub was done in England, and to say 15-ing is a little generous, this is probably more like 18-ing.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> the, the level of because differentiation. It, because they, they really
1: needed to do that to the show. I like, know, it it's like, wasn't... it
0: wouldn't have gotten the rating without the profanity. Yes. Uh, there's <laughs> nothing else in the show to give it that.
2: Yeah, we, we, I, I mean, it's so completely innocent.
0: I gotta spend yeah, like you know? five minutes alone talking about this dub, I'll talk about it later. <laughs>
2: It's a good dub.
0: It's such an exceptional dub. I recommend everyone watch Angel Cop once in Japanese, then once in the dub, then one more time with the dub with the English subtitles turned on. (laughs) Maybe that's the full Angel Cop experience because Angel Cop, it starts off as one thing, and you think it's going to be like one certain type of show. By the time you get to the end, it has nothing. Whatsoever to do with how it started. It starts off, you think it's gonna be okay, this is normal, sort of police procedure-ish, vaguely, maybe ghost-in-the-shell-like. Maybe the Pat Labor movies. That was also those original manga video Pat Labor movie dubs. A lot of the same people from that are in this dub.
2: Kind of like Narutaru, where you oh. think it's gonna be like this adorable Pokemon. Oh, look, the kids have little monster things that are their friends, and then it gets just completely terrible. They
1: start killing people. <laughs>
2: The opening
0: scene to Angel Cop very much seems like an opening scene for like a Tom Clancy novel. It starts Mm -hmm. off with this missile attack on the U.S. Embassy, and then if there's anything that's going to date Angel Cop, to let you know, yep, this was made in the 80s alright, is this opening narration, because it's supposedly set in the future. (laughs) So it's the 80s, Japan thinking what things are going to be like in about 10, 15 years.
2: Mm (laughs) In
0: the 80s, Japan was king shit of the world. Yeah, they were. As far as we were so concerned that Japan was going to take over and buy everything out. And so the narration is like, at the end of the 20th century, Japan had the highest gross national product in the entire world and was able to control all of the world policies.
1: And what's really funny is that this came out in 1989. Like, yeah, yeah, the recession was. Before the bubble burst or something.
0: <laughs> the Yakuza influence and the crippling recession was like right about to hit him before Angel Cop came out. But Angel Cop <laughs> was like the last shot of predicting Japan's ultimate glory in the world. <laughs> the plot to Angel Cop is that the left wing liberals. A terrorist organization known as Red May. They hate Japan so much because Japan is too cool. They make too much money, and they're just so awesome that the left-wing liberals hate Japan. Communists. Yeah, yeah. Well, because this is the 80s, left-wing meant actual real left-wing, honest-to-God communists, as opposed to disagree with Sean Hannity. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, real (laughs) left-wing. The commies, the reds.
2: Right. So.
0: In order to stop the evil red menace, Japan forms a special terrorist investigations bureau, basically a department of homeland security, as it were. But it's not enough to stop these vicious, foreign, Chinese-Korean defilers from ruining the Japanese ethnic purity. Oh, God. (laughs) So there needs to be a special group form on top of that, the Special Security Force. That's its name. That's right up there with the regular army from M.D. Geist as being a (laughs) shitty name. (laughs) We're the special security force to fight just the absolute worst terrorists. You know how many people are in the special security force? Everybody? Two. Ten. (laughs) There's ten people for the nation. And these guys are granted just complete immunity to the law. They can just freely murder anybody they want. (laughs) They're presented as being just so much more badass than regular cops of the SWAT team.
2: So they're all James Bond? They're
0: basically like Section 9 from Ghost in the Shell. I mean, can you rig a motion sensor of a door to blow up a helicopter? (laughs) Well, can you? Hmm. I don't know. Angel Cop was very highly prescient as far as predicting the future because these guys are able to abduct people without charging them and classify them as enemy combatants then torture them for information for days and days and days such that these people die from being tortured. Nobody needs to know about it. But it's okay because they're enemy combatants. Who would have guessed? And they hate our freedom. Yes, they do hate our freedom.
1: And they're the good guys.
0: They are the good guys. Make no mistake. These guys are totally awesome and everybody thinks that they're totally great. Everybody has code names. The reason it's called Angel Cop is because one of the character's codenames is Angel. There are other codenames like Hacker. Guess what Hacker's skill is?
2: Peace. Flower Arrangement?
0: Yes, it is Flower Arrangement. <laughs> Peace's skill is being a girl in glasses with a gun who... <laughs> Finally, Raiden. As you might guess from playing Metal Gear uh, Solid uh... 2, Raiden is a jerk pretty boy. <laughs> <laughs> So that's where
2: Kojima got it from. I think absolutely
0: so. It's like, not just Kojima.
2: Okay, wait. The really important thing is, does he cartwheel naked?
0: No, he does not Well, damn it, then that's
2: useless. Well, uh,
0: yeah, it's unfortunate. We don't get to see him naked. Maybe that was in the manga. Hmm. But Tetsuya Nomura got the idea for Squall Leonhardt from Raiden because Raiden wears this leather jacket. That's like a big, heavy leather jacket. No shirt on underneath the leather jacket. Oh, and he's God. supposed to be a cop.
2: I thought the Squall jacket was based off a jacket that Gact wore. Maybe
0: Gact saw Angel Cop made his <laughs> jacket. Then Tetsuya Nomura hmm. saw Gact... <laughs> made Squall's jacket.
2: It's all connected. It's supposed to look
0: badass as he gets on his bike and puts on a helmet and aviator shades with his bomber jacket but no shirt on.
1: 1989, I bet that did look badass.
0: I think in 1989, it looked the same as it did now, which is to say, really, really gay.
2: Well, that's kind of like how in the 90s when they introduced Superboy and he had that really lame haircut where it was like curly on the top but like it was shaved (laughs) on the back and the bottom. Right. And he had like the little shades and then the leather jacket. It. And at the time, it was supposed to look really cool, but now it just looks totally lame and retarded.
0: <laughs> Hideo Kojima, he, maybe he got his real inspiration from Raiden because the solution for, a, how do I make this little bitch cool? It's the exact same solution. <laughs> uh, oh, everyone's dude, character designs are just... I mean, I think the one guy hacker might even be more gay than Raiden because he's a big, <laughs> giant, muscular guy in a really, 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 really tight wife beater. Hmm. <laughs> And, I mean, yeah,
1: played by Akio Otsuka too.
0: He's basically a combination of Arnold Schwarzenegger and Commando and also a super duper computer hacker. Maybe <laughs>
1: <laughs> because hackers on steroids are very important.
0: hackers on steroids are the ultimate menace to society. Yes. And these guys, they're anonymous. They go around. They just do anything. <laughs> they're Legion. What can I say? It's for the lulls. And in the future, it's 1988, and Japan had to imagine, what are computers in the future going to be like?
1: Twice the size of a room?
0: No, no, no. In the future, PCs still use five and a quarter inch floppy diskettes. <laughs> but you've got, like, ten of them.
2: So wait, CDs existed when this was made, right? Yes, but oh, they, yes they, but they, they did. did not manage they weren't to...
0: really being used in the computers yet. Yeah, they were. yeah but
2: they, yeah, but they, they didn't were. manage to... in any to, like...
0: widespread capacity. Yeah. It wasn't until 95 or so when CD-ROMs became standard issue on Right, PCs. so they didn't
2: manage to like make that connection of, oh, computers will use CDs. They just stuck with floppies?
0: Yes. And so... <laughs> I think the closest thing to being like a prediction of the future was there was sort of a keyboard that's like the Microsoft natural keyboard, but I think it was more like, in the future, computers are so powerful, you need two keyboards to use them, one for each hand. (laughs) That's the special force, if you're getting some idea of the special agents involved in Angel Cop. Of course, Angel is the final one, and she has no character. She's just, I'm a woman, I've got some mad titties... And I have no compuncture over just killing anyone for so any So she's reason.
2: like the major, but lame?
0: <laughs> I don't know if she's lame or not. She's just there. I mean, I can't really fully hate her in the Japanese. Her voice is Mika doi. Yeah.
2: So... <laughs> Does she do like the crazy Sakiya Makaori?
0: No, that's just like, it. Aw. Her voice between Sakiya Makaori, Misa Hayase, and this are three totally different voices. And I yeah. wouldn't know it was Mika Doy unless mm-hmm. I read the credits and said, oh, wow, shit. You realize I haven't said anything about what Angel Cop is about. We're just talking around it because <laughs>
2: <but> the fact <laughs> of the matter is, is that we have to brace ourselves.
0: <laughs> Angel Cop thinks it's really, really smart. <laughs> because it's all trying to be like this political thriller, like, oh, wow, terrorists are trying to take over Japan, but who's behind the terrorists? And have they infiltrated our government and all that sort of stuff? So there's that element of the show, which is a total mess. And then there's the action element of the show, very much like how Ghost in the Shell sort of has the investigative side of things and the ass-kicking side of things. Yeah. This is very much the same way. And the absolute money shot of Angel Cop is ten minutes into the first episode. Raiden goes single-handedly to bust this terrorist cell and a shootout breaks out. And the shootout is exceptionally well animated. And I would say Angel Cop overall is quite well animated. I thought
1: in the beginning, I would say, yeah. Well
0: actually no, believe it or not, that was my memory too. I thought it was in the beginning it had good animation, then it got bad. No, it's actually very good throughout. I mean, of course it is the best in the first episode or two, but it's not like by the last episode it looks horrible, like say Shadow Well there's a
1: noticeable drop in quality though.
0: There are certain elements that noticeably drop, but since Ichiro Itano is a maniac and Doggy Style Man is a maniac, (laughs) can't call him by his real name. There there's still really, really high budget things going on, even in the later episodes.
2: I really can't wait for the day when Daryl gets an opportunity to interview him, and it's just like, so doggy-style. So
0: doggy-style, pedophile.
2: <laughs> and then and, he just gets murdered.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, With when he's publicized in the new Kite anime or whatever. Kite Liberator's
1: gonna be out soon. Yeah, we're gonna find him. it's not him.
0: porno. Not anymore, anyway. Anyway, as for porno money shots, the shootout happens, and <laughs> lots of very fluidly animated AK-47s being fired and such, but... The introduction for Angel herself is (laughs) Raiden is about to have the drop gotten on him by some random communist woman. And then out of nowhere, she gets shot. The woman who's trying to sneak up on Raiden. But she doesn't get shot once. She gets shot four times. (laughs) The first shot sends her flying across the entire room and pins her against the wall. The amount of blood that flies out of this person. <laughs> There's so much blood let out from one body. Like, the only way it could possibly hold this much blood is if they had just no internal organs and were just <laughs> giant bags of blood. Every single person in the anime is like this. That one shot alone is usually enough. But there are three more shots after that. She gets shot one more time in the chest, then in the head. So, all right, that's three shots. That was good enough for Tom Cruise and Collateral. But no, the final shot... Blows off the top left corner of her head, exposing her brains hanging out. And I think this scene was shot on the ones, as Tim Eldred would say. Like, each individual frame was something. Someone must have spent a month just animating this one, one second bit. Because if you were to stop masturbating to it long enough to frame by frame it and really pay attention... You'll notice there's all this crazy anatomical detail, like the skull shatters and the one eyeball just swings from its optic nerve in a perfect arc, and that's the true level of detail that OAVs offer that you don't see in anime
1: today. It's, it's now revealed what
2: Daryl masturbates to horrific girl.
1: <laughs> yes. So, there we go. Don't don't talk right. around it.
0: There's no talking around it. I've been exposed.
1: <laughs> For what I truly
0: am, but yeah, Gerald was talking about how the later episodes of budget doesn't quite go
1: around, but th- the character designs totally don't look as detailed though,
0: but like as far as things that explode and stuff, there's still all the crazy debris. You can still frame by frame it to see like all these details. The difference is, is that if you frame by frame it and you see like a porno magazine fly by in the wind and then a teddy bear if you keep going. That same porno magazine and teddy bear will fly by about six more times. So it's very highly <laughs> uh. detailed debris, but it's highly recycled animation at the same time. <laughs> mm. And just so everyone knows, Chris Beveridge's review of Angel Cop is bullshit. He said that woman got shot three times in the head. It's twice in the head, twice in the chest. Thank you. I want everyone to email Chris Beveridge <laughs> complaining in the strongest possible terms over this glaring inaccuracy in Angel Cop.
1: But was the audio... Really well done across the front was there, channel.
0: Yes, was there panning across the center sound stage of the forwards? <laughs> I, I don't even remember what it is. But You guys all know about guns, right? Do you know if the practice of firing two shots to the chest, two shots to the head is called Colorado-style shooting?
2: I don't know what? about
0: that. They call it, it's like, wow, that's Colorado-style shooting. <laughs> Columbine didn't happen yet at the time of Angel Cop.
1: Oh, Jesus.
0: maybe it's just that Japan wasn't enlightened enough about gender equality so only another woman is allowed to shoot another woman four times because Angel, as she's known, that's pretty much her character has a gun has some pretty fierce titties. You can kind of see him on the cover because he's got like this bizarre outfit that gets some mad side cleavage, but in the actual anime, she doesn't really show off any goods whatsoever, aside from maybe one scene where you can see her nipples poking through her shirt.
1: Wait, wait, wait. You were talking about Colorado-style shooting for a second.
0: Colorado-style shooting and uh, her guns, all right? It
1: all links oh, okay. in. Okay. Now, can you think of any other anime that had that detailed a disintegration of the human body through
0: I cannot actually cuz even like MD Geist, even Fist of the North Star and stuff.
1: Like the closest I can think of is like the opening to the first Bubblegum Crisis and even that wasn't detailed, that was just like yeah. mm. No.
2: Through guns, I don't know. I mean, I know Genocyber had a lot of really detailed internal Oh, organs, yes, Genocyber
1: but... did have that slow motion killing of the children. Yeah.
2: Oh, that's <laughs> right. It did. <laughs> ridiculous. Ridiculous. See, this is what the 80s
1: gave us. <laughs>
2: This is why we're all such wonderful people today.
1: (laughs) Oh, God, that scene. Yeah,
0: oh, man. So, as you can see, like, it seems to be like, okay, it's going to be about tracking down these terrorists and stopping them from committing terrorist acts in Japan. And it starts that way for about 20 minutes. And then the invisible teleporting psychics show up. (laughs) What? You've set up this world, and then these characters show up, that seem to have nothing to do whatsoever with the reality that you've established. And the psychics are just ridiculous.
1: Well, it was made in the 80s, so it had to have psychics.
2: Yeah, everything had to have espers.
0: The Akira influence once again.
2: Even back to
1: Armageddon. Armageddon... Experts,
0: totally, so. and since it was the '80s, they're all just so '80s character design. It is a crime. Like one guy is named Asura and he may as well be a fucking member of White Snake. All right, <laughs> White Snake was a hair metal band in the '80s, and they had different levels of hair depending on the appearance. Like, oh, we've got the lobby hair and the concert hair. He just went straight for stadium hair, nice. all right? Big, giant hair. It
2: takes a real man to rock the stadium hair all the time.
0: (laughs) Yes. And his name is Asura, and the main villain is this American woman. They make a big point of her being American. Her name's Lucifer, (laughs) so naturally she wears a cross around her neck. (laughs) I think the cross is probably just there to draw attention to her 12-inch cleavage gap between her double-D bolt-on hooters.
2: Is it an upside-down cross? No, it's
0: not. It's not like the real devil wearing the upside-down cross. It's like... All right, well, I'm an American, so I'm going to wear a cross around my neck.
1: God damn, this show is deep. Check
0: out my mad rack. (laughs) <laughs> Her character design is very obviously modeled after Bridget Nielsen. She was oh, Ivan right. Drago's manager in Rocky Four Red Sonya. That way. Short lady. hair,
1: blonde, all that. Yes, yeah,
0: short hair, yeah. blonde, rude titties. But I don't know if she's <laughs> in the Japanese, to accentuate the fact she's American, she speaks random clipped English, like Kanika Clancy and Pat Labor. Yeah, they always oh. do
2: that for the American characters. Yeah. And, and then, then they there's... speak Japanese in really strange accent.
0: Yes. <laughs> I think the absolute most frightening of the psychics, though, to the Japanese anyway, there's one thing that scares Japan more than anything. And it doubles as being the one thing that is the absolute most erotic thing to the Japanese more than anything. Children. Yes, the really young girl. The 13-year-old girl, or she looks more like she's 8.
2: Well, children are evil, to be fair. To I... their
0: credit, they don't try and present her as jackoff material just yet, because this was still the 80s and the pedophiles still pretended to have shame. But at the same time, check out the names these characters have. Her name is Freya. Freya is the motherfucking goddess of putting your dick in things from Norse mythology. <laughs> And then Asura and Lucifer, are more evil deities from uh, <laughs> Hinduism and Christianity, respectively. Fucking deep. This is all levels symbolism. of things and symbols. Oh and Angel Cop thinks it's really intelligent. But again, when the psychic shows up, all the rules are out the window immediately suddenly there's powered armor cyborgs and the whole political like offset of stopping the terrorists basically grinds to a more or less halt just to have like this bizarre psychic battle i don't know where it came from or why they even decided to do that maybe they were like fuck it we need to have an excuse for crazy shit to go on i guess maybe at the same time though akira did have the big politics coup related subplot so there is that to to think about this. One of the real major things you gotta understand about Angel Cop, we talked about this dub. The dub is mind-blowingly incredibly hilarious. Yes. Angel Cop is super-duper violent, but it wasn't enough. The dub is just... It's a mammoth play, the level of cursing that is in this. (laughs) Good Demon City Shinjuku was like, okay, we put a little bit of cursing in there. This is like every sentence that comes out of... The Special Security Force's mouth is swearing. And then the villains as
1: well. I think
2: Stephen Foster must have watched a lot of this. Well they didn't call each other. And some other dubs. And then just you know. But that's what he aspires to. Right. That's probably how he
0: upped the ante, because this one is all like fuck face, ice bitch, cocksucker, motherfucker. And Stephen Foster was like, eh, faggot. That's what the word I'll go with. (laughs) So that's his dubs. This one is much more traditional. Yeah. I don't know if they went for cunt, I don't remember. Maybe they did. Mm -hmm. But there's just cursing all over the place. And then some research then. You need to see if they did. Well, here's the thing. The subtitle track is totally different from the dub. But the subtitle track isn't entirely accurate either. And there's a whole other thing I have to talk about for that. But for now, I'll say you can tell that you're missing information from the subtitle track. In the Japanese, there's the guy in a powered-armored suit. He's talking about how great the powered-armored suit is. Oh, it's as good as a tank. And then someone says, man, you can tell they're saying in the Japanese, oh, it's kind of like manga. And he says, oh, no, I'm a fan of robot anime. The subtitles translate that as, I am a Heinlein fan. (laughs) Oh. So, I mean, hey, Robert Heinlein, Starship Troopers, okay, powered armor. But, you know, you're watching the subtitle track. You can tell there's lots and lots of little things that get changed, but Really, the main thing that had to be taken out of Angel Cop... Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Angel Cop is just mired with this pervading and really, really casually accepted racism. Blatant, outright racism. The political plot is a mess, but it turns out in the Japanese that all this stuff with the communists and the psychics and all that, it's all just a smokescreen for the real threat to the prosperity of Japan and the prosperity of the free world... The
1: Jews, it's anti-Semitism, then is
0: anti-Semitism. Yeah, but it's also the Americans and also the white man and all this stuff. It's all in there. But basically at the heart of it, what's behind all this stuff in Angel Cop is the fact that there is an international Jewish conspiracy that hates Japan because Japan has money and only the Jews are allowed to control all the money. And everyone in the world is jealous of glorious Nippon because they're successful in spite of the rest of the world being controlled by those evil, vicious Jews. And the Jews are going to buy the entire island of Hokkaido and (laughs) use it to dump the world's nuclear waste so that Japan can just be like this mobile nuclear waste platform and then roll over and be controlled by the Jews. That's the big secret master plan behind everything, I swear to God. Manga Video, at least in their mild wisdom, was like, shit, we cannot have this in the anime. And the translator of this was a Jew himself. (laughs) And so they were like, all right, we just have to write something totally different So the dub just has completely different dialogue, and then the subtitles, there are times when suddenly the subtitles match exactly what's being said in the dub. And you know that's the time when they're talking about the Jews.
1: Do they have the same basic plot, but they just, like, write the Jewish factor out of it then? Sometimes. Sometimes there are times where they
0: change it to be like, okay, the Americans are providing massive amounts of military grade hardware to the communist terrorists in order to destroy to Japan's prosperity and I want everyone to know it originally was saying the Jews but sometimes it's just completely totally 100% different like oh so and so was working for you on their side but they switched over cuz they realized you were being bad and you know sooner or later the dictators of the world had it come in Hitler Mussolini Tojo all that None of that stuff has anything remotely to say what's going on in the Japanese. I don't know exactly what's being said. I want like someone who's a fan subber. I will send yes. you Japanese audio for the <laughs> speech. I want a script of exactly what's being said. We need to get
1: this out I- to uh, Dave Riley. Being yes. Jew himself so yes so we can make sure. the, i
0: mean i want to know exactly how america is run by the jews and the jews control the energy and the jews want to control japan and they <laughs> run america and make everyone fight these wars in the middle east okay everything about angel cop it's not just jews but every single foreigner is horrible in angel cop like there's this one evil frenchman who's you know he's french because he runs around saying Allez, alle. Ale. that's the only thing that identifies a frenchman <laughs> blonde hair blue eyed and he's just got it out for those filthy yellow monkeys or whatever term japan likes to use for
1: but nobody actually uses anymore yes or, or and so like it's war. just
0: ri- ridiculous <laughs> i mean that's really what angel cop is on the one hand it's kind of two or three shows in one like on the one hand you've got this political espionage thriller that it's trying to be and that just doesn't work Hmm. on the other hand you've got this action cartoon and from an action standpoint angel cop's pretty awesome angel cop's got good shootouts and crazy psychic wars with people using their powers and a lot of motorcycles lots of action scenes involving motorcycles really
1: well detailed motorcycles too
0: Yes, and no Shinji Aramaki, because the motorcycles don't transform. But (laughs) lots of action scenes with motorcycles and psychics and psychics on motorcycles using their psychicness to ride the motorcycle (laughs) so they can pose dramatically as they fight cyborgs on motorcycles. Motorcycles that have been specially enhanced to be too powerful so only a cyborg can ride them. And then when ordinary people see that bike flying down the road, they're like, oh, hey. That's an anti tank motorcycle. Like, it's just a commonplace thing.
1: Hmm, obviously. It's the
0: future, Daryl. Look, it's our fault for underestimating the power of Japanese science. And just so we're clear, that line is spoken word for word in the show.
1: Oh, oh, good.
0: Don't underestimate the power of Japanese science. I don't remember that line. (laughs) Maybe it was only in the Japanese, but I don't know. Somewhere along the line, once it becomes Psychics versus Robocop with this special anti-psychic coating that the scientists made to resist and kill psychics.
1: (laughs) I love the anti-psychic coatings or the anti-psychic helmets.
0: Yes. Somehow, Angel, she gets this massive gun where it's like, don't fire this gun more than three times, it'll permanently disfigure you. And she just fires it like it's nothing. And it's like, don't ride this motorcycle because a regular human couldn't withstand the G-forces. It'll crush you to dust. And she's like, if I put this on, I'll be okay. And so she's just doing all these things. And for whatever reason, she gets a sword. (laughs) Just go with it. It's too much. It's too incredible for me to tell you everything that's going on in Angel Cop that's reason to be awesome. I mean, one of the members of the SSF has this 5 o'clock shadow that's almost as bad as mine. And his idea of a good way to stop terrorism is to let terrorism happen. Angel Cop is probably out of print. I don't know if you can find it new, but all six episodes are on one DVD. You get the dub, you get the sub. As hilariously inaccurate as they are, video quality is not the best because it's six OAVs on one disc. But I want everybody to buy this. You can find it. It's not that hard. You will not regret Angel Cop. In understanding that I can't possibly even scratch the surface of what's going on in Angel Cop, in a few weeks, Dave and Joel are also going to review Angel Cop. So maybe between this, to give you a basic idea of what to expect for Angel Cop, and that review that they're going to do, I think you'll understand what justice truly is in Angel Cop. Can't tell you. It's classified what justice is. But you'll know it.
1: I think the ninja consultants need to review this now, because they have film degrees. And obviously this show is really deep. So, yeah, so uh, uh, I
0: was looking through my Bernard Herzog, Woody Allen collection, I picked up Angel Cop, and is really the presence of um the museum. And I can't... Yeah, that's my voice for Aaron. I think that's a, a good impersonation of the Ninja Consultant. Destroy All Podcast DX, Jeremy Kaufman, he's got a film degree, he can talk about Angel Cop.
1: He also thinks that Southern Cross is not as bad a show as Must so... Well, that
0: show is full of Filthy Dirty Lies, and it says so right at the beginning, so I (laughs) forgive him. One last thing I'm going to talk about about Angel Cop. I could go on for hours, but the closing credits song is the most hilariously inappropriate song ever, because it's this really upbeat J-pop tune that is so incredibly repetitive. It's like the same five-second thing looped for three minutes like the theme song at the end is really really long i swear to god it feels like it's the a-team and the animation for it is just this one looping thing of angel riding her motorcycle now that i think about it actually all the background music in angel cop is a super repetitive repetitions of like a two-second riff i don't know they decided it looks like hit this note a couple times all right copy paste that for five minutes (laughs) okay that's a song
2: Wesley Willis
0: style? Daft Punk style, more like. (laughs) Oh. At least the people who did the music, unlike Daft Punk, the people who did the music for Angel Cop at least had the decency to compose the thing they decided to loop repeatedly for themselves, as opposed to listen to another song, pull it from that, and copy-paste that. But I think the sheer annoyance factor of that must have been what inspired Manga Video to just start removing the end credit sequences in their OAV releases and edit things together to make it seem like a movie, because goddamn... You will be pulling your hair out from this end credit sequence.
1: So it's done so that it's just like one long movie then?
0: No, no, this one is not. This one may as well have been captured from the VHS tapes, because at the end of it it says, like, available September 4th. What? This is all one DVD. Video quality, not the greatest, but hey, Angel Cop, the only way we can get it, buy it, be beholden to one of the pillars of the holy trinity of suck, that is really the holy trinity of things I secretly love.
2: What do you mean
0: secretly? Not so secret anymore. The secret's out. And that concludes yet another fine, fine, fine episode of the Anime World Order podcast. Somehow we have survived these past two weeks. Pretty grueling, pretty terrifying. By the time this episode has come out, AFO will be upon us. But yep. if you would like to write in and give us your thoughts on how wrong we are about Angel Comp and Zizen Jotaro and especially the humanoid, you can uh, write us at AnimeWorldOrder at gmail.com. Also, we've got the voicemails, 206-666-4296. I think, for the moment, we'll put a hold on new contest entries. Obviously, if people send in emails telling us what their favorite anime is and why, it's not going to throw them out or anything, but we've got a lot,
1: and none of us have. really... Yeah, probably next episode or so, we'll probably start giving stuff away. We need to start doing something with all these contest entries. Right,
0: because there's quite a few, and we've gotten some good ones, so people will get commemoratively good things as a result of that. Just once again, since we're getting stung by magazine deadlines and convention panels and conventions right after the convention that I didn't know was going to happen, but they are happening, and so we have to go to those as well. In the event that the next episode is late, I know, it's unheard of for Anime World Order to not have weekly episodes, even though we claim to be weekly. But in the rare event that that might happen, go to www.animeworldorder.com click on our review index and see the full archive of our past show actually it's not the review index that would have the full one but the feed would have the full thing because some things are shows we did that aren't in the review index like if we had bonuses where we talked about a specific subject that might not be in the review index but our review index does have all the previous reviews that we've done So you can listen to some of those in the meantime, because, hey, we take forever. Next time, show number 58 of AWO. Some people have requested that we've been dwelling a little too long on the horrible things in life. So rather than being just all horrible things or all great things, I think we'll try and, and get a good mix of stuff. So next time on the Anime World Order podcast, I guess I put this one off for well over a year because August 6th, as everyone knows, is the anniversary of the Hiroshima bombing. So I figured I may as well review Barefoot Gen, a cartoon story of Hiroshima by Keiji Nakazawa, this guy who survived the Hiroshima bombing and he made a semi-autobiographical story of... What happened? Pretty much all the anime podcasts have beaten me to reviewing Barefoot Gen, but I'm gonna also review the manga. It's probably not going to be any better of a review, but whatever.
2: And I'm gonna be taking another chunk out of the pile of stuff that we've been sent by various companies and review the first DVD of Suzuka.
0: Which we should note, Clarissa doesn't know what it's about. Or anything.
1: Hasn't even seen the cover of it or it's anything at all. just a disc so. that we've got, and we have to review it because they've given it to us. And that's how it's going <laughs> to be. Yep. And uh, because we didn't talk about any news, really, this week, I'm going to be uh, taking care of all of that next week with the con report on Oticon. So we'll be talking about the news on Oticon and just the convention itself and all that jazz because it's so interesting hearing other people's takes on a convention that most people listening to the show never went to.
0: And on that note, I should probably earn my press beds for the Florida Supercon at some point and offer up some sort of summary experience for that. Maybe we'll do it in lieu of reading <laughs> emails next week. Got some pretty good interview footage from it. So we'll uh, we'll be playing some interview excerpts next week of stuff that we did at the con. Maybe since Florida Supercon being a sci-fi con, not an anime con. <laughs> the interviews I got have nothing to do with anime, but I, uh, someone's going to care. Maybe it's listening to the show. At least the Otacon stuff will be related to anime. Anyway, that is going to do it for us. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have articles that are due that I have not started watching the anime I'm supposed to be writing the review for. But before I can write those articles, I've got to put together panels for AFO because I've done zero work and I was supposed to do this work over the weekend, but I didn't. (laughs) So, see you around.
2: (laughs) Good job, (laughs) Daryl.
0: Don't act like you're not in the same boat as me except for the panel part.
2: (laughs) Well, okay. I'm not doing any panels, yeah, so. I, I actually started watching the anime no that I'm reviewing.
0: You win this round, so. but I'll be back. <laughs> I'll be back
1: next episode. This comes out before AFO come to our panels. That's right. Uh, it most likely won't. So, okay, uh, yes,
0: quick plug. We're going to be at Anime Festival Orlando. We are charged with interviewing people. We have to interview the following guests. Colleen Clinkenbeard, Sunny Straits. And Mark Handler, whom we've already interviewed, so hopefully that'll be easy. Plus, we've got panels going on. Gerald's got a Mecca panel. Saturday night. Saturday night opposite the big AF Oscars amateur film show. I've got a panel shortly after that about bad anime, which is mainly my cheat, which is why we did these last few weeks so we can talk about some of these bad things I'm going to be showing. They're going to be things of that caliber. Yep.
2: Man. I kind of wish I had signed up Uh, for panels this year. I feel left out.
1: No, you feel fortunate. Because I didn't sign up for (laughs) panels. (laughs) Gerald... (laughs) The only reason that I signed up for the giant robot panel is because it requires zero preparation on my part. I basically yes. stand up there and I talk. On the subject of
0: zero preparation, so. I thought I was going to have zero for when that assimilation sci-fi con comes out. I'd be like, oh, I'll talk about Babylon 5, and all of a sudden the new Babylon 5 thing comes out. <laughs> but I have till after AWA to worry about that. I'll do it in that week. All right. Yeah. Stop now. See you around.